Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Manette with Sew in Peace. Um, I'm not going to do a long introduction, like I said on my last uh, prayer podcast, because I had surgery this past Wednesday, so I'm not feeling 100% myself. Um, I got surgery done on my sinuses, so I've been struggling with uh, a chronic sinus infection probably for almost two years and didn't realize it. So forgive me. I know that sometimes I have coughs and things like that. I'm probably going to be dealing with that for quite some time, but I'm working on it. But I still have a desire to get on the podcast to just um, encourage you if I can. Please overlook my coughs and grunts if you can. I have water next to me to help me get through. But this is going to be you know, a fight for a minute. But anyway, um, I did this topic on my other platform. I speak on a live platform called the wisdom community, or it's called the wisdom app, but it's for, um, people who like to give wisdom. And so, um, I did this talk, but I decided I wanted to put it on this platform and I tweaked it a little bit. So it's not exactly the same, but I thought it was a good conversation. So anyway, let's dive into it. So today we're just going to talk about why do we fight and argue and how do we resolve these conflicts? So I took up the time to look up the definition of arguing or an argument, and it says a serious prolonged disagreement, but I wanted to compare this with the biblical definition of argument. And the King James uh, Dictionary Online says that an argument is the process of reasoning with each other or the process of asserting or expressing one's judgment and opinion toward each other. So um, I also decided to look up one of the synonyms of an argument and the word quarrel came up and I looked up the definition of quarrel and it actually means to complain and that is to cry out with a loud voice. And it also kind of means the same sense as to have a brawl with somebody. And so when we quarrel with each other, um, the definition means that, or says that we are actually disputing violently with each other, or we're speaking to each other with loud and angry words. We're having a wrangle or scold. We're fighting, we're scuffling, we're contending or squabbling with each other. We're falling into variance with each other, meaning we're having a disagreement. We're finding discrepancy with one another. We're at odds with each other, or we're having some form of conflict. And lastly, this definition means, um, that uh, we, when we quarrel or fight with each other, we are actually finding fault with each other and we're complaining with each, or we have a complaint against each other. But the topic for today or the question for today is why do we do this? Why do we fight and argue? So that's what it means to have an argument or to quarrel, but why do we do it? So the Bible tells us in James 4, 1, 3, that the reason why you and I actually quarrel and fight amongst each other is because we have these desires that are battling inside of us and we desire things that we don't have. And so when we desire things that we don't have, the Bible says that in our hearts, we begin to kill. Now in this particular passage, the word kill actually means to hate. It means to have resentful feelings toward each other, bitterness, jealousy, or envious enviousness toward each other. And so when we are feeling this way and we still can't get what we want, the Bible says that it is in our irritation and frustration that you and I begin to fight and argue with each other. So 
we fight, we argue because we want things that we can't have or we don't have, right? And then the Bible goes on to say the reason why we don't have what we don't want is because we really don't pray. We don't talk to God for it. We don't ask God for it. We're looking toward each other to get exactly what we want. When in actuality, in most aspects, we really cannot feel each other's total desires, right? And that's why the Bible tells us, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and and his righteousness and all things shall be added to you. So seek first God, his kingdom, find out what his kingdom is about, um, which is joy, peace, uh, power, and the Holy Ghost, uh, and, and, and seek his righteousness, his obedience, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. So the Bible is saying that you don't have what you want. It's because you don't pray. You don't come and talk to him. And he says, but if you do pray and you haven't received it, it's probably because you have prayed with wrong motives or you have prayed with the wrong spirit. And this means that when you went to go ask God for what you wanted, deep down, you really wanted to only satisfy your own desires. And that's why you didn't get what you want. You really had no intentions on using what you're asking for to help someone or to um, make your life better with your spouse or your children or whatever it is, you really wanted it for yourself or you asked for money so you can spend it on yourself. You're really not going to do what you intended to do with it. And so that's why you don't get what you want. And the Bible says, this is why you and I fight with each other. So we fight because we have conflicting passions within ourselves that leads to strife and at least to discord in our household, at least to discord in our environment with anyone around us is because we have these conflicting passions and our desires that begin to war in the inside of us. And what happens when our desires begin to war in the inside of us, our hearts get hot. They begin to burn with anger because we are not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment or the happiness that we seek. So we fight, we war with each other. We have not because we ask not. And we wouldn't think of just asking God, would we? Why? Because when we ask God, we know that we're asking him for something that we have no right to. And the Bible is essentially saying that, look, you're like spoiled children. You just eat what you just each want your own way. You, you, when you don't get what you want, you fight, you kick, you scream at each other because you want what you want. So you fight, you fight, you fight, you quarrel, because really deep down, you're concerned about the worries and cares of the world. You're distracted with worldly pleasures. You're distracted by the deceitfulness of life. You're distracted by false security. You're distracted by glamour. You're distracted by money or by fame. And all these things, what happens, they creep inside of you, right? And they begin to choke out the word of God in you and making you unfruitful toward each other. Meaning the distractions, the worries, the cares, and all the things that you want makes you um, have the inability to produce the attributes of God to, toward each other, which is joy and peace or the ability to resolve your conflicts. So in these distractions, all these self-centered conflicts, they begin to arise. And those of us who are responsible for these arguments or responsible for these conflicts, we're in the midst of these conflicts, we begin to show ourselves whether we're controlled by the fruit or by the spirit. Hold on, let me get my charger. One moment, sorry.
Now, why I wasn't wise enough to charge this up, I don't know. Don't judge me. So anyway, so in the midst of um, us being in these conflicts, um, this is the opportunity that we're going to show ourselves who we're actually controlled by. Love or hate, our flesh or our spirit, God or Satan. That's what happens in our arguments. Now, the way that we resolve these conflicts, the Bible tells us in Leviticus 19, 17 through 18, that you and I, we shall not uphold hate in our hearts for our brother. Okay. We should not have hate in our heart toward each other, but we shall learn to reason frankly with each other. And this means that God wants us to learn how to work things out with those around us. He wants us to have good sense with each other. He wants us to learn how to think things through. He wants us to learn how to be sensible with each other. And this looks like, okay, you and I, let's sit down. Let's have a talk. Let's learn how to correctly explain ourselves with each other. Let's do this openly. Let's do this honestly with each other. And when we're conversing with each other, when we're having this conversation, we're not going to sit here and return evil for evil or insult for insult. But in this moment, we're going to figure out how to cultivate and how to learn how to give a blessing to each other instead. And that's how you resolve conflict. That's one way. Another way to resolve the conflict is that when we are wrong, okay, let, let me say it this way. God acknowledges the fact that you and I are going to do things that are going to anger each other. That's inevitable sometimes, right? Sometimes we do things um, because we're humans, we're in the flesh, and we anger each other. God himself gets anger, but it is a righteous anger. It's a holy anger. And because we're made in the image of God, we too will get angry. We too will be righteously angry toward each other. But the Bible says, be angry yet and do not sin. And what the Bible is essentially saying is that, yeah, you have a right to have a righteous anger, but you do not have the right to avenge yourself. You do not have the right to get that person back or take matters into your hand, but you have every right to give that situation over to God and that person over to God and let God avenge you. Pray about it. See what he wants you to do in wisdom about that situation, but not to avenge yourself. Okay. Another third way um, to uh, resolve your conflict is to not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, some people think that this doesn't mean literally like don't let the sun go down on your anger. They think it means, you know, um, give it space, you know, take the time you need to get over that situation and then come back and make right uh, as quickly as possible. But um, I take it literally um, because people die in a matter of moments. We don't know when people are going to die. And so I'm not saying it happens all the time, but I'm sure there's times where people have gotten to an argument, they go to bed and someone doesn't wake up. So I take this passage literally, however the Holy Spirit convicts you, run with it. But to me, I'd rather make right with that person. And then the Bible tells us that when we are trying to make right with somebody, make peace with somebody, our ways are pleasing to the Lord when we do that, okay? So here's another way to resolve conflict. And when our ways are pleasing to the Lord, the Bible says that God he will make your enemies be at peace with you. So say my husband and I get into an argument, right? 
It is not my responsibility to make my husband be at peace with me, but it's my responsibility to make sure my ways are pleasing with my husband. I'm searching for peace with him. Then God, he will, um, in his sovereignty, in his loving kindness, will begin to change the heart of my husband. The heart of the king is in the hand, um, the heart of the man is in the king's hand. I might be saying it wrong. I did a blog about that. But anyway, my my husband's heart is in the Lord's hand is what I'm trying to say. And so it is my responsibility to be at peace with my husband as far as it depends on me. It is our responsibility to search for peace with all mankind, your spouse, your coworker, whoever that person is, be at peace with everybody. I'm not saying you got to be buddy-buddy, but be at peace with everyone. And the reason why another scripture tells us, lest we incur sin because of that other person. What is the Bible saying? When we're arguing with each other, we can cause, it can, arguing with other people can cause us to gain sin. Why? Because when words are many, the Bible says sin is unavoidable. What is the Bible talking about? The Bible is simply saying, when we talk too much, too much talk leads to sin. Too much talk leads to sin. And so one of the ways to um, resolve conflict is to not talk too much. But we ought to be sensible people and learn how to keep our mouth shut. I've talked too much sometimes in arguments with my husband. And next thing you know, I'm unraveling something. I'm saying something. And then all of a sudden I'm sinning because I'm angry. I let my heart get hard. Um, my heart get hot and that anger begins to burn. And I want to say something to satisfy and give full vent to my spirit. But the Bible says, don't do that. Use less words so that you can avoid sin. Okay. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Why? Because Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, 36, that on the day of judgment, we will each give an account for every careless word that we speak. Why? Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, 21, that life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And this only means that we're going to get exactly what we are saying to each other. Okay. And what Jesus is saying is that We've got to send our words out in a direction that we want our life to go into. So in other words, you and I cannot talk defeat to each other in our relationships and expect to have victory. It's not going to work. It's it's just going to defeat. We speak defeat to each other, badly to each other. We're speaking death. We're just killing that relationship. It's going to eventually die. It's going to lead to divorce. We're going to separate from each other because we're speaking death. But speaking life will build it back up. And so the Bible is basically saying, be a person who take care to watch over your words carefully and be a person who's slow to speak. Understand that your words your, have power, okay? That's why it hurts when you say something wrong. That's why we cry. That's why we. It, it's hard to get over things is because when you speak things, you're either speaking life or you're speaking death. You're either building that person up, you're edifying that person, or you're killing that person internally. It has power. It does something. It hurts. It makes people feel a certain way. So if you love to talk, the Bible is saying you will eat the fruit of your words rather than that be bitter or sweet. 
and I rather eat the sweetness of it, not the bitterness of it, because it will come back on us. So Jesus is basically saying, don't be hasty with your words. He said, don't be hasty. But what he wants you to do in your relationships, he wants you to be like a soldier in Christ. And that is a person who is willing to undergo difficulties, a person who is willing to endure hardship. Why? It's for the sake of your brother and sister in Christ. It's for the sake of anyone. It's to win them over to Christ. Why? Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 4, no soldier, anyone who is in Christ, gets himself entangled in civilian pursuits. Meaning people who are serving Christ, people who really want to please the Lord, People who ward the spiritual things, they don't entangle them th in themselves in the affairs of this life. They don't entangle them things in, entangle themselves in things that are childish and things that are meaningless and things that they're going to quarrel about that has nothing to do with their salvation. But they are here and they are here to please the one who enlisted them, which is God himself, which is Jesus Christ. So the Bible is just basically saying, listen, as believers in Christ, you and I are actually called to be ministers of the gospel. And that's even in our personal relationships. We don't just minister to other people. Charity starts at home. It starts at home. It starts in your very personal relationship. So when arguments arise between you two, just understand that it is a test of your devotion to remain loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ in that very moment. You are being tested for the gospel caused you to endure hardness like soldiers and it causes it causes you to undergo difficulties and it causes you to undergo sufferings and to wage war in wholehearted devotion to jesus christ so when an argument approaches you or arise okay you are now as a soldier in christ waging war in wholehearted devotion to Jesus Christ in that very moment. That's what you're doing. He's saying, listen, be like an athlete who live a life that is of a strict discipline. That's what's going on when arguments arise in your household. You're like, nope, I ain't even going to go there with you. You're disciplining yourself in that very moment. Or he's like, be like a farmer who is patient and seed sowing and committed to hard work. Okay? Be patient. And this is necessary. Why is this necessary? Because those of us who are in Christ, we suffer and we remain steadfast in the faith because those of us who do that, number one, if you're suffering, it's the proof that you stop sinning. But the ones who remain steadfast in, in the faith are the ones who are enduring to the end. And the ones who endure to the end are the ones who will live and reign with Christ in the end. You know, the Bible tells us that Christ himself will disown us on the day of judgment. Those who do not endure to the end and those who disown him either in word or in deed. See, most of the time, people, they don't disown God by specifically saying that they disown God. There are people who wholeheartedly feel devoted to Christ because they have some type of passion toward him, right? They know he exists. They know he is the Alpha and Omega. They know he's the beginning and end. They know he's the first and the last, right? But people disown God by how they treat each other. See, the greatest commandment, like I spoke in my love podcast, is to love each other, right? But when you have the ability to love, and, and, and especially when you're in marriages, right? And you 
abusing each other and you're speaking hate and you're resenting each other you have bitter feelings to each other that is you disowning god by how you talk to your spouse or your children or your neighbor in general we disown god by how we talk and how we behave toward each other for it is by our sinful acts that we disown god and that's why jesus says in matthew 21 not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven and he says in verse 22 that many will say to him on that day when he judged them he's talking about on that judgment day lord lord have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many miracles in your name and then what did jesus say he said then i will declare to them publicly he will say it publicly, not privately, that he never knew you. He says, depart, depart from me. This means you are banished from my presence. And the reason why he says, depart from me, he says, because you acted wickedly when you disregarded his commandments. Okay, that's why. Disregarding the commandment to love each other will cause you to be disowned by God on the day of judgment no matter how much you believed in him because john 14 15 through 17 says that if you love me you will obey my commandments and obeying your commandments starts at home starts with you inwardly okay so god's desire is for us to avoid any type of petty controversy over words he wants us to avoid those because it does no good it only a sub it only upsets and undermines um the other person, okay, it has the ability to ruin the faith of those who listen to you argue, or it may even ruin the faith of that person who's arguing with you. So God is saying, listen, I want you to cleanse yourself from your desires to argue with each other because those desires are dishonorable. They're wayward, they're sinful, and they are not useful to him. And he needs you to be prepared for every good work. He needs you to be useful for him. And so he wants you to cut yourself off from all of those desires that easily entangles you in uh, those arguments. And so another thing God wants you to do, he wants you to pursue righteousness. He wants you to pursue faith with each other, pursue love and peace with those, um, especially those believers who called on the Lord. They're, they're, some of your spouse are true believers, right? And he, with that particular person, pursue righteousness and, and love and peace with that person because they are calling on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. But stay out of arguments, stay out of foolish and ignorant rumors and useless disputes over unedifying and stupid controversies. He says, God says, stay away from that. Because when you get yourself caught up in those situations, he's saying they do nothing but produce strife and they only produce or give birth to quarrels and fights and arguments. So he wants you to stay out of that. And the reason why is because when you have signed up to be a servant in Christ, you have signed up to not participate in quarrels. The Bible says the servant of the Lord must not participate in quarrels, but we have a responsibility to be kind to everyone. We have a responsibility to be even tempered with each other, to persevere um, in peace toward each other and patience. And we have a responsibility to be, to be tolerant when we're wrong. 
And then we also have the responsibility to learn how to properly correct each other when we're in opposition with each other in uh, the channel of courtesy and gentleness in hopes that we will gain insight and come to an understanding with each other. Now, another way to resolve conflict, um, and I'm taking these passages and I'm putting them more towards personal relationships, but you can go back and read them. <clears throat> A lot of them have to do with the church, but you can definitely direct these toward each other in our personal relationships. But the Bible tells us in Romans 15, one through three, that we who are strong, um, we have an obligation. This means that we have a duty. It's our responsibility and it's your agreement in Christ when you came into salvation with Jesus Christ to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. And so the Bible says, let each of us please our neighbor for his good. And the reason why is because when we please our neighbor for that person's good, it builds that person up. It encourages that person. It edifies that person. God is life. Jesus Christ is life. He is the life. Okay. He's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. And when God speaks to us, he does not condemn us us, but he builds us up. He educates, I mean, not educates us. He edify us. You know, if you go, um, to the story about Gideon, you remember when God approached him, the angel of the Lord approached Gideon, he, he, Gideon was like hiding food, I think in the caves from, I believe the Midianites, correct me if I'm wrong, but God, the angel of the Lord walks up to Gideon, which was the Lord himself. And he's like, Hey there, you mighty warrior. You know, he just called him a mighty warrior. That was it. That's how God wants us to speak to each other. And Gideon was like, you know, kind of like afraid that he wouldn't um, be able to do what God called him to do. He asked God to, you know, confirm what he wanted to do several times. Go back and read the story. But God just spoke to him. Hey there, you mighty warrior. We ought to look at each other in those eyes. And so the Bible is saying, don't please yourself, but please your neighbor for your neighbor's good so that you can build that person up for Christ himself did not please himself. As it was written, all the reproaches that fell on us, um, all the reproaches of those who reproached us fell on God, meaning all the criticism, all the critiques, all the evaluations and rebukes and accusations of those who reproached us, they all fell on Christ. So he himself did not even please himself. So he's saying that, you know what, if you are insulted, if you're offended, if you're disrespected, okay, be disrespected for the name of Christ. He said, blessed are you, happy are you, because if, if somebody is disrespecting you in your household, if your spouse, and you're being sensible with them, you're walking in the fruit of the spirit with them, you're trying to, and they insult you, they disrespect you, they're offending you, and, 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 and you're still doing what's right. He's saying, fine, good, happy are you, be okay with that. And the reason why he says, because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. So on their part, if they don't want to do what's right in Christ and they're being evil towards you, on their part, when you're arguing with them, they're going to be speaking evil about God. They're not going to be manifesting the attributes of God 
on them. But on your part, if you're doing what's right and you're in this battle with that other person, God's going to be glorified because you are manifesting the spirit of God on your side. So we have a choice when we argue. We can speak evil of God by our deeds and what we say to each other, or we can glorify God on our part. So that's why the Bible tells us, listen, if you're going to suffer, don't suffer as a murderer, a person who has hate in your heart. Don't suffer as an evildoer or, or as a meddler. Don't suffer as a troublemaker, a nuance, or someone who causes pain and annoying. He's saying, but if you suffer, if you have to suffer, suffer as a child of God, suffer as a Christian, and don't be ashamed of that, but let yourself be glorify God in that name. Glorify God in that name. Okay, so then also Jesus wants us to um, make right um, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, make rights in our personal relationships. And he's saying, if I say to you in Matthew five, he said, if I, but if I say to you that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice against him, they will be guilty of the court. And whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother saying, Raka, you empty headed idiot, or calling him a fool. He said, they'll be guilty before the Supreme court, the Sanhedrin, and they'll be in danger of the fiery hell. And, and so what he's saying, if you have a problem with your brother and you're trying to pray, don't even talk to God in that moment. You need to go back and make right with that person. Come to terms quickly at the earliest opportunity so that you will um, be in right standing with God, okay? So that you won't have to pay for your unforgiveness at the end of the day, on judgment day, okay? So I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that when you're arguing, resolving conflict, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the Bible says the prudent holds their tongue. So I just want you to... <laughs>